This is Sean, and you're listening to Promise, a podcast showcasing the heroes of tomorrow. Every episode is an exploration on the idea of promise itself. Whether that's the potential for success or the commitments we make to get there, I speak with exceptional, purpose-driven people on their journeys to change the world. I wrap up season two with a long-awaited discussion. This week, I host Raj Bagri, founder of Capture. Fresh off the summer 23 Startmate Accelerator, Raj and Capture are on a mission to decarbonize the diesel emissions of the world. Why even focus on diesel in a landscape dominated by increasing renewable energy? I asked Raj that very question with enlightening answers. We also chat about breaking into the STEM field from the outside, the challenges in innovating deep tech, and being an inspiration for all women. Please enjoy my discussion with Raj Bagri. Today on the show, we welcome Raj Bagri, founder of Capture. Capture is on a mission to decarbonize the world's diesel generators. Raj, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So am I. It's been a conversation that's been brewing for a little while. So Raj, for our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, how would you best describe yourself and what you're trying to do at Capture? I believe I have a really strong mission in what we have set out to achieve with Capture. For the past five years, I really felt it's my life's purpose and work to be on this planet and solve this problem that we are setting out to solve, which is decarbonizing small-scale emissions. We are starting off with diesel generators, but we actually can scale the tech across ships and also heavy trucks. Recently, I was in India and... I was so shocked that you cannot breathe clean, fresh air in India and you do not have access to reliable power. So we were in my parents' hometown, which is Punjab, and on the day we arrived, we didn't have power for six hours. It was winter and we were freezing. And currently one in five people globally are dying from air pollution and actually while my dad was there he was really really sick as well from the air pollution so people are struggling to breathe and it's really my mission to make sure by the end of our journey with capture that everybody in the world has access to reliable power and clean fresh air because that's a really huge impact that we can make not only in saving the planet but also saving lives And secondly, my background is not in deep tech. I'm not a scientist or an engineer and I'm working in STEM. So I think it's really inspiring what I'm about to do and achieve with Capture because I'm showing all women that you can be anything you want to be and you don't need to have a background in STEM to build a STEM company. And recently I was presenting at the AOG Energy Conference and I was one of six companies that were selected to go to Perth to present and a group of engineering students had come to our stands because Capture just spoke to them, our logo, our brand. And I realised we are actually creating a cool deep tech company that's going to inspire future generations. Australia doesn't have that. And so that's really important for me to show people that deep tech can be cool and it's not boring tech that takes 10 years to commercialize, you know. And then obviously 
our major reason to exist is to help save the planet from climate change. And we are the first tech in the world that can be scaled across millions of sites. So it's quite exciting the impact that we can have in truly capturing carbon and saving emissions. Amazing. All of that is why I've been so excited to have you on the show for so long. For reference, everybody, we've actually started this conversation several months ago before Raj started the Startmate Accelerator Summer 23 cohort. So Raj, actually, what has the last four months been like while you've been in the Accelerator program? Yeah, Startmate has been a wild journey. We have been pushed beyond our limits. They only bring in founders that have huge ambition, but they also make you work really hard (laughs) to chase your ambitions. And, you know, when we started Startmate, we didn't have the technology built. We didn't have a website. We didn't have customers. And in 12 weeks, we achieved so much. We designed our technology. We commissioned the technology and we ran our proof of concept trial, which was successful. So that was really exciting. And to put it into context, like Shell Ventures, for example, have spent 10 years developing their carbon capture technology and spent hundreds of millions in the process. We were able to achieve that at somewhat in 12 weeks. So we were working really, really hard and I'm so proud of our team. We achieved so much. And then secondly, you meet really smart mentors, advisors, founders and it's just such an inspiring community to be part of and people are so helpful we also built a strong pipeline of customers during startmate so we have over 20,000 generators in our pipeline from t1 corporate customers in australia which is pretty exciting and we've just mapped out our business model And we're basically now about to raise our seed round of funding and we're about to get started. So the next steps for Capture are to move to a pilot scale demonstration. And it all wouldn't be possible without Startmate. It's just truly, I believe, you know, for any founders out there, I think the applications are opening for the next cohort. And if you truly believe you can make a big impact and change the world with your company, I highly recommend everyone to apply because they really help you fast track and gain momentum. Fantastic. A great shout out to the Startmate community as well. Now, one of the things that I'd like to pick your brains about is why focus on diesel? You sort of talked about it, about your trip to India, but there's a lot more noise made about renewable energy and looking at how we can scale wind or solar, for example. So why focus on diesel? Why do we use diesel? And what are the benefits and drawbacks of us using diesel? Yeah, diesel is more fuel efficient than petrol engines, for example. They emit less CO2. Diesel is better for the environment. Let's start with small vehicles. They will switch to EV. So petrol will most likely be gone in the future. But diesel is a better fuel. Heavy trucks use diesel Diesel generators obviously use diesel, ships use diesel, and these are hard to abate industries. There's currently no solutions to replace a generator or a ship, for example, and it's not going to go out of fashion anytime soon. So we'll be using it. Our technology is specifically designed to use with diesel and we capture the emissions that are coming out once the fuel is burnt through a generator or a truck or a ship. So that is why we are focusing on diesel. 
When looking at diesel generators, for example, there are currently no options to replace them. Batteries and renewables have been developed to replace a generator. However, they cannot provide 24-7 backup power. When we speak to customers, even though a customer might be using some renewable energy or a battery, they still need to use their diesel generator for backup power. So that is why we've developed our technology because we don't see diesel generators being replaced for a very long time. Now, you've shared with us your trip to India and the experience of feeling privileged to be able to breathe clean air here in Australia. I want to learn more about how you came to focus on carbon capture in general. So let's start from the very start. I understand that you've built a couple of businesses before and you've also been in the venture space as well. If we go back to the very beginning, what's your background building businesses? I studied a Bachelor of Business. So straight out of university, I had a corporate job for two years. I just knew that it wasn't for me. I used to wait for 5pm so that I could leave the office. But little did I know I was about to work 24-7 and be okay with that. I think ever since I was 22, I had something inside me that was telling me that I want to build a business. That's why I truly believe that I'm born to do this because I feel like I've been wired to run businesses and build companies. I didn't know a single person that owned a business and social media was only starting to take off when I was 22. My first business was in hospitality. I actually purchased a crust pizza store when I was 23, which is crazy if you think about it. I think it was $400,000 at the time and I had saved all my money to purchase that. But what was amazing about that journey was there were only 10 stores when we started off and I worked really closely with the founders. So I learned so much from them about building businesses and being a franchise, it was very structured. So I actually really learned how to run a business properly because there were some templates in place of everything you need to do and follow procedures. I did that in my 20s and I opened some cafes and basically worked in hospitality. At 30, I had my first son and decided to sell those businesses and then I moved into investing. We invested in some cannabis deals in Canada and I'm the largest shareholder of a graphite mine in Sri Lanka. It's one of the world's largest graphite mines, actually. I did that for a little bit and that gave me a taste into startups and I was really excited about the space. At the time, infant formula was really hot. It was when A2 Milk was taking off and I decided to join a infant formula company. I met a guy who was a founder and he couldn't get the company off the ground and he was struggling to do all aspects of the business, like creating the formulation, setting up supply chains. I basically joined the company and learnt the whole industry from scratch, so rules and regulations. I work with the scientists and develop the formulation of the formula. And we developed the world's first infant formula with no oil. So that was a major breakthrough. And that gave me a big insight into climate change because a lot of the oils being used in infant formula, uh, palm oil, is it's because of deforestation. And that opened my eyes up to what was occurring in the world. And it motivated me to want to do more. And that is why I made the leap from infant formula into climate tech. 
I then moved across to a food tech company. So they had a super cool in food preservation technology and I was working alongside some engineers and that is where I learned how to invent and develop technology. I spent a good 10 months with them and learnt heaps. And from there, I realised I had enough knowledge to then go and do my own research and develop the tech that we now have for Capture. So that was the journey. Yeah, awesome. And what made you want to focus on carbon capture specifically? Because uh, if I get the timelines right, you were thinking about this before your trip to India already. Yeah, three years ago when I was working on the food tech company, one of the engineers I was working with used to capture methane maybe 30 years ago. He had a lot of knowledge about capturing emissions, but not carbon in particular. But through all of his knowledge and then going away and doing a lot of my own research, I realised that I may be onto something. Like at the time, carbon capture was really big. I listened to the news every day and all we were listening to was we need to capture carbon. I've always loved to work on businesses that are unique or rare, not a problem that most people are trying to solve or, you know, typically girls love to work on beauty brands. But I really like to work on hard problems that not everybody can solve. And I think just... Through a lot of my own research, I built a network of PhD students as well, and I was able to come up with this tech. So basically a big problem to solve. What I'm curious about then is you've mentioned it already, being an inspiration to other people, girls especially, about not having a STEM background and being able to lead this kind of company. What was it like forcing your way into this sphere without having direct experience in the space? Yeah, it was really tough. So in the early days, when I had ran the first proof of concept trial and realised the tech works, the pathway to commercialise is usually through a university or a CSIRO. Now, both parties weren't interested in speaking to me. And in Australia, it's unfortunate because if you look at universities, they are developing technologies that they are trying to sell. So we are their competitor. They aren't going to help you to commercialise your tech. And if you look at CSIRO, it's the same thing. They are also selling technologies to companies like Santos, for example. At the time, I reached out to a few other carbon capture startups and asked them, how are you getting around this? How are you validating your technology? And they were all facing the same problems. So we realised that we need to independently validate the tech. What I did was I took the byproduct and sent it to SGS emissions for validation and testing. And so I had a report from them and that opened some doors for me to break through. But it's very difficult for a lot of startups and those startups in particular that I was referring to, they no longer exist because it is very tough to break through and get people's attention to look at your business and your technology. But it's also a lesson in your own resourcefulness, I guess. Okay, let's actually talk about your technology here. From what I understand, it is some form of filter. Can you talk us through how this filter actually works? Yeah, so our technology is quite unique. We have developed a world-leading carbon capture technology that is the first of its kind. So we have developed a new method to capture carbon. And we capture the carbon in one step. 
there's no energy used in the process at all. So that's very different because if you look at all carbon capture technologies in the world, they use energy, which is actually emitting more CO2 emissions during the process of capturing the carbon. And our technology is the first technology in the world that can be manufactured at mass and scaled across millions of sites. So we are providing a real solution to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Another thing that's also unique is that we have developed a world first solvent that is non-toxic and non-hazardous and it can be discarded directly in soil. That's a huge benefit because for example, if a company like Santos is using our technology on their generators, they can discard the byproduct in soil on site and it's locked away permanently. We're creating a full life cycle system closed loop. And then the technology can also be manufactured in any size, small or large. So as I said earlier, we can scale across heavy trucks, ships and also generators. And if the technology is used with biodiesel or renewable fuel, it actually becomes a negative emissions technology. So green tech, which is also really exciting. We have a lot of points of difference compared to every other carbon capture technology that exists. Right. Okay. So you've mentioned that it's a solvent without going into too much detail, because I understand there's plenty of IP that you'd like to protect. What can you tell us about that, I guess, in comparison to something like AdBlue. So for anybody who doesn't know what AdBlue is, a few European car makers have created this solution to add to their diesel engines and it drastically reduces their emissions. Yeah, how comparable is it to something like that? So actually, that's a good topic to bring up because when we ran our proof of concept trial, we actually ran it on the back of a diesel engine van. And even though there's Advil in the van, they're still emitting NOx, CO, and other particulate matter. And we actually capture everything. So we don't just capture the CO2, we captured NOx, CO, and all the particulate matter. I think our filter's doing a really good job compared to Advil. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's different. Like they're capturing different emissions and we are capturing CO2, but we also capture whatever they're not capturing. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, that scratches off the next two of my other questions then. But no, that's great. It's a great answer. So what I'm wondering then is you've mentioned Santos a couple of times, and I'm wondering who your customers might actually be. Is it just mining companies that you're looking for? And who your end users might be? Because if you're thinking about small-scale diesel generators, perhaps in developing countries, there's a question about whether or not they can afford to pay the same amount that Santos might be able to pay. So yeah, who are your customers at the end of the day and who would your end users be? The plan is to enter the market. Our first customer would be a tier one corporate. So currently they have a huge set of diesel generator fleets. Now, if they want to reduce their emissions, their options are renewables or batteries. As I said earlier, they won't be able to get 24-7 power with renewables and batteries cost between twenty to $26,000. 
And if they were going to replace all of their gen sets, that's going to cost them a lot of money. So we are truly the cheapest option for them because our technology can be retrofitted to their existing gen set fleet and we capture the carbon for them. Tier one corporates are definitely the first customer that we are targeting. It's not just mining companies. Telstra, for example, in Australia have 5,500 data centers and they all have diesel generators as backup power, beach energy, Victorian governments have backup power in remote areas, even in Melbourne. So there's a wide range of customers. If you look at the customers in general, hospitals all rely on diesel generators. Remote islands like Maldives, they're completely powered off diesel generators. Hotels, for example, there's just so many different types of customers that use diesel generators for backup power. Excellent. So did you have any thoughts about working with regulators, government bodies, in order to help them shape policy at all? Or are you just looking at uh, trying to supply a product that will help them meet their targets? Yeah, I think we're very early stage to be making that kind of impact and influence. But with Capture, I truly believe that we will disrupt the carbon capture market. As we scale, we will be able to bring the price down where it's so affordable that companies won't really need to look at carbon credits as such because our tech will be so affordable that they purchase it, retrofit it to their generators, they're capturing the carbon and they can focus on their business. They're not going to have to worry about carbon credits and all the rest of it because it will become so affordable in the grand scheme of things. So that is our plan. I truly believe we have a real solution to capture carbon and we don't need to add complexity around carbon credits. Okay, now that you've finished the accelerator and you mentioned that there are a couple of pilot projects in the pipeline, what are the next steps there? What do those pilot programs actually involve? Yeah, so the next step is for us to set up a pilot scale demonstration. And during this time, we will be optimizing the technology, the solvent, cost economic analysis of the technology, and just fine tuning a few things. And once we are ready, we'll be moving to paid customer pilots. That will be happening early next year. So we have a few customers lined up in Australia, the Victorian government. Telstra, Santos and Beach Energy are a few customers in our pipeline. And overseas, we are currently chatting with Mitsui, Yanmar and Nataji as well for some paid pilots over there, which is really exciting. What a, what a fantastic list of clients to have this early. Given that there's so many people expressing interest in your product, are there any dream organizations that you'd want to buddy up with? When it comes to licensing the hardware, companies like Caterpillar or Kubota, some large manufacturers that can help us scale quickly to distribute the filters globally. So that would be a dream company. Perhaps uh, someone from there might be listening. Okay, you've mentioned that you have a team around you, but we haven't really spoken much about that team. Can you share with us what skills they have and if there's any additional skills that you might be looking for at Capture? Yeah, so we currently have a very small team. It's myself and two engineers. One of the engineers has a deep background in CO2. So he has worked on pilot scale demonstrations for the past 10 years and implementing and design and development. 
of the pilot scale demonstrations on various technologies. And the second engineer is a mechanical engineer that has worked with Boeing for the past 20 years, and he is responsible for sourcing materials and commissioning technology. So he has helped with commissioning our technology, and the other engineer has been working on the technical side of capture. There's currently the three of us. We will be looking to work with a commercial finance person and also a junior engineer as well. So currently on the lookout for someone. If anyone is listening and interested, we'd love to chat with you. Well, a shout out to anybody with any of those backgrounds to try and get involved with Capture. Now let's look towards the far future of where Capture might go and what the world will look like. If you were 100% successful with all of the things that you're planning on doing and you achieve all the goals that you set out to achieve, what do you think the world will look like? I think we'll have a lot less carbon emissions and hopefully we would have made a really big impact in reaching our target. Another important thing with what we are doing is currently, if you look at carbon capture, the main focus has been on heavy emitters and large scale capture technologies. Now that is essentially all of our efforts have gone out to put out one big fire. But what we are doing is putting out all the little fires that are occurring all over the place around the world. And when you capture emissions from little fires, we're going to make a much bigger impact than putting all the energy into putting out one coal fired power plant, for example. And we're taking the pressure off these heavy emitters because it's not realistic to turn off a coal-fired power plant because we know that renewable energy is not going to replace them anytime soon. I think it's exciting for heavy emitters because we have a real tech that can make a big impact and a difference and it'll just take the pressure off everyone. And in order to achieve this goal of just having a brighter, cleaner future, What do you think you personally need to do to help scale capture and help get us there? It's working with like-minded investors. For example, the next step for us is partnering with VCs that will really help open doors, work with us to set strategies and really define our goals and visions for the next few years. And working with great advisors, for example, that can open doors. So when we are looking to move to the U.S., customer connections, connections with manufacturers, for example, helping set up supply chains. All these points are really important and working with really smart people that have done it before to make sure we don't make mistakes in the process. And we obviously need to move quickly because there's not much time left in order to make a huge impact and difference. And we need to quickly start capturing emissions and reducing greenhouse gases as well. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so much, Raj, for that inspiring call to action. The last thing that I'll get you to do, especially since you put a call out for potential people to work with, both to employ and to invest, how can people get in touch with you? I'm on LinkedIn. So if you look up Raj Bagri on LinkedIn, I recently just joined Twitter as well. So it's Raj Capture. You can catch me on one of those. Excellent. I'll stick all of those links in the show notes. Raj, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Sean, and helping spread the word about Capture. That's it for today's episode of Promise. 
be sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Do you think you or someone you know would have ideas worth sharing? Send me an email to sean at promise.fm. Otherwise, subscribe and stay tuned to learn from tomorrow's heroes and what we've got is promise.